This is Ross Payton here with Roleplay Public Radio, and this is episode 42, Sense of Wonder. Sense of Wonder. Sense of Wonder, really? Sense of Wonder. That is the abbreviation used by science fiction fans to describe Sense of Wonder. I see. So uh, we're trying to add a little bit of awe and it's uh, not really so much wonder. A, it's not really an abbreviation. It's more like just an alteration of the pronunciation. Yes, well, yeah. Uh, how, how are you doing there, Tom? I don't know. I'm, you know, fairly laid back. That's good. That's good. Yeah, you know, um, so in our 42nd episode, we're going to be talking about a very popular science fiction term, but how you can apply it to your games, uh, whether they be science fiction, fantasy, or even modern, or uh, any number of things. High art, the role-playing game. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's, um, that's what we're going for here at RPVR, is, uh, high art, because, uh, those of you who listen to the New World campaign, I uh, know we're we, all... We're all, we're very serious, we never go off topic. Yeah, serious business, uh, all the time. Uh, and speaking of the New World campaign, our Codex of War Ransom is well underway, we're over halfway to our goal, but we still need your help. Uh, if you are a fan of the New World campaign, uh, or RPPR, uh, uh, consider contributing to the, uh, the, the ransom we have at kickstarter.com. We'll, of course, have a link on the uh, main site and all that and um what we've uh, what I've done is I've added three new rewards. So uh, uh, just so you know, if you uh, contribute at least ten dollars, you can be listed as one of the contributors for the uh, the PDF. Be immortalized in the uh, special thanks section. You for, shall achieve immortality. Yes. Um, for twenty dollars, you get ac- uh, early access to ten actual play episodes of the uh, uh, not just the New World campaign, but Call of Cthulhu, uh, Don't Rest Your Head, another Fourth Ed campaign uh, run by Bill. He the a Dragonborn Sorcerer player and a Paragon tier, and uh, all kinds of fun st- and monsters and other childish things, including a very, very fun game where Cody is uh, does some great role playing. Sucrose Park, you know. No, where, I remember. Yes, uh, it's already been commented on our forums, which you should join, by the way. But uh, enough about that. But we, I've added, uh, and if you contribute fifty dollars, you uh, uh, can um, have your NPC, one of your favorite D&D characters of your own creation, uh, in, inserted into the Codex of War. Now, uh, so those are the basic rewards, but we've added three new rewards. Now, for $30 total, you'll get access to not only the 10 actual play episodes, but you also get access to the... Uh, I ran a Delta Green game called Night Mall, Night Shift, uh, uh, at Gen Con and Dragon Con this year. And uh, the the original playtest is on the actual play site. But if you want to hear how I ran it at Gen Con and Dragon Con, uh, you can uh, for thirty dollars you get access to those episodes as well. Blow your damn mind! Um, yeah, it will because it, I ran the same scenario, but every time it went very different because of how the uh, every play every group was very different, and so every group approached it differently. So it's very interesting to hear how the exact same scenario plays out radically differently depending on who the players are you mean people don't all have the same thoughts and ideas uh, yeah. that's crazy talk uh you know sometimes they would be freaked out by the cinnabon human effigy that would animate and come to life and uh want to be eaten yeah want to be eaten and sometimes players would be like eh, whatever you know i'll, I'll eat it yeah <laughs> no actually i don't think anyone wanted to eat it i i i i don't think anyone actually went that far, but they well, were. Well, if you ever had a Cinnabon, you know it is run by Satan anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's for thirty dollars. But for uh, an alternative fifty dollar reward, uh, if you want, you can have uh, the RPPR crew record a message, a special MP3, just for you. Now it can be me saying something in my announcer voice, and Tom then, saying something, then, both then, of us, and then Cody. me going off on you. Yeah, yeah. We can uh, uh, do your voicemail messages. We can send a message. You know, ha- wish somebody a happy. Happy birthday! We could uh, tell someone they're fired, and we can do it. In, um, we can do it in fan fiction speak too. We can do it in fan fiction speak. Yeah, if you want to hear Cody as a girl, wish somebody a, uh, uh, sing somebody a happy birthday uh, or something like that. Mm-hmm. We 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 can do that. I want uh, to eat the cake, Daddy. Oh God, damn! That, yeah. That's uh, that's just uh, wrong in so many ways. But uh, for fifty dollars, that 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 special prize can, can be, yours. be yours. Yes. Um, but for $100, and this is the, the ultimate reward, I will actually run a game of your choice over Skype. It'll be a one-shot between two to four hours, maybe, you know, or, or, around that time. So like a convention game, but uh, you can choose whoever else plays. You can choose whether what system I'm going to be running. I'll, I'll pick the scenario based on the system you choose, unless you really yeah. want to run a specific scenario. No, I, I think I did put the, put the horror story in your head. Yeah, uh, no one, I please don't pick Fatal. 
Because uh, I, I can imagine a, gr- a group of five, uh, each one putting 20 bucks in just so they could get Ross to... Run us a game of Fatal, Ross. Oh, my God. And uh, it'll be your choice if I actually record it. It could be either your private game uh, that no one will ever hear except for you, or it could be... Shared uh, with everyone. Shared with the entire world for... Uh, and, of course, that background noise is uh, I have a, a pet bearded dragon, Mifune, who is going nuts because it is uh, daytime. And, and it's actually getting really warm here. Yeah, uh, it's actually getting warm, so uh, he is uh, freaking out. So that's that little noise back there. But anyway, um, Codex of War. Uh, <laughs> lots of different uh, rewards out there for contributing. Um, and, of course, if it is, the ransom is successful, I will create, I will write and lay out and publish this uh, a PDF, and you will... Find out how you can run a, a war between a civilized colony and a um, group of uh, a native tribesmen. Your own version of Avatar. Yeah. Only smallpox uh, blankets. Smallpox blankets. Yes, plus five. Vorpal yeah. smallpox. You know. Damn. Yeah. Exactly. So, like Vorpal gangrene. Yes. Exactly. Dragon exactly. syphilis. Ja- dragon syphilis. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Funny joke. All right. So um, we got a lot of stuff going on uh, next week. I'm going to be uh, Fear the Con. Well, both of us are. Yeah. Both of us are going to be at Fear the Con in St. Louis. Uh, thanks to the Fear the Boot people. And uh, there are going to be some other podcasts there. It's going to be like a big podcasting thing. It will be. Uh, we'll record some podcasting. I'm running three games there. Um, and including a Delta Green game, which is based on notes sent to me by Scott Glancy. So it will be it will be something. You show reverence there, my friend. It yes, is. Yes, you do. I've read through and oh man, I cannot wait to spring this on people. Because it is going to be... It's going to be a thing of beauty, Tom. It's just going to be uh, Miss Sanchecks and body parts and all kinds of. Uh. Hey, let's be fair and dig to victory. I came out. I came out with my with full sanity. Yes, Tom. Because I killed the serpent person. Yes, you did. Yeah, but so not I'm everyone awesome. else did. I was because I'm awesome. I think I blew my sanity check and gained cosmic revelations. I gained five points of Cthulhu Mythos based on my blown sanity checks, which is pretty fun. I wanted to make sure my character would be like the kind of guy who'd write a diary about his events so other people would find and be like, oh my God. This is crazy. He was crazy. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, cosmic revelations and all that. So, Mm -hmm. anyway. Um, I'm also running not only Delta Green, uh, um, I'm going to be running Age of Masks Wild Talents game. Um, and I will also be running Monsters and Other Childish Things. So, uh, yeah, it'll be great. It'll be something. It'll be special. I don't know what Tom's doing. Oh, I'm just going to see what's there. Yeah. I'll probably I may crash one of yours. I don't know. All my games have eight players signed up for them. And uh, six norm- normals and two alternates. So, uh, I don't think I can run a game for nine people, Tom. I think eight is about my... Eight Where's is the enough. balls, Ross? Tom, Where are your balls? Eight is enough, Tom. Eight is enough but nine is divisible by three what does that even mean tom nine is divisible by three yeah it is but eight is enough eight's not divisible by three no but that's not a but sitcom nine title tom. is tom don't you understand how our generation works it's references references beat everything else if i reference an 80 sitcom that means i beat you unless you can come up with one that's appropriate so you can't so i win that's how. How about I? How about I, I didn't make the rules, Tom. How about I beat the dog shit out of you? How about that? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know who the boss is who determine these things. Uh, but uh, I mean, this isn't some kind of night court where we can determine what's right and what's wrong. So, yeah. Well, we can't. We we can argue our cases. Nope, we can't. It's not a night court. So, anyway, moving on. Uh, let us. Uh, let, let let's get to the main topic here, um, because that's uh, what we're here for. You know to. We, we never go off topic. No, no, of course not. Um, sense of wonder. Now, this is a, a, a term used to, in, if you Wikipedia it, it uh, uh, basically it boils down to uh, uh, giving the reader in a science fiction story a just a total just sense of wonder based on a paradigm shift, like something, some piece of information is revealed that just blows the mind of the reader now, uh, or the viewer. Now the, the example they give is obviously like in star Wars, a new hope, uh, that's not a moon. It's a space station. You know, when talking about the death star, now obviously it's cliched and obvious to us now, but back in, I'm sure in the seventies, that shit would have blown their minds. Like, Holy shit. That's actually something more, a little more recent. Uh, Independence Day, for those that remember that movie, when the ships arrive. Yeah. So, going over the same, like, oh, shit, these are big. In space, it, things so are big. big. So big. Bigger than Xbox, even. Wow. I know. 
That j- joke is dated too. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, the, God damn, <laughs> that is a very hyper lizard. Yes, it is. Um, he is. Well, he's a movie. Well, he's a he's a he's an internet star. Yes, if you if he's you the see chaos dragon. The uh, via, uh, the video D and D the best game ever. You can you can you can see Mafune. Uh, I named him after the Japanese actor Toshiro Mafune, the Seventh Samurai. Shut it's because up. Because it because rem- the lizard reminds you of him. Uh, yeah. We'll go with that. Uh, sure. He anyway. Wh- what we're what we're trying to go for is that that sense of wonder is a very powerful tool, a very potent thing to really draw in people into a into your game. And the, the you know the the whole strength of RPGs is obviously you have a limitless budget. It's your imagination. You can go wild. You can say or do kind of much anything in it. And uh, yeah, you know, and you don't very to- few people do though. Like very few games really. Like in D and D, I was like, oh, 10 foot wide corridors with you know orcs guarding pies and blah blah blah. It's very droll. It's very boring. It's very stale. I feel, and and that's what I I think a lot of games miss that trying to evoke that sense of wonder. And so uh, um, for me, I, I sort of realized that, that that that's important in a, a game I ran many years ago. Um, Back at Geekers, this is the same campaign where, uh, uh, if you remember the uh, the poor dolphin druid, the nautical druid, the nautical druid, uh, who forgot to take swimming. Yeah, he. Um, it became a very. It, later on in that same campaign, we the the players met the the emperor of China, and or some figure like that, and they were in his court, and they were trying to. Uh, okay, well, you'll have a contest to prove this, to get past me or to do something, you know. You know it's typical, you know, do this, give me, fight me or give me a quest, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And uh, uh, Chris Farmer, who was playing with us back then, uh, you you might know him as the voice of AB3, he said, was got frustrated with me because, well... <laughs> Well, where's the where's the you know wonder where's the you know razzmatazz razzmatazz where I, I don't remember exact words but he I remember him being very frustrated that I was just describing this as a normal little thing and I tried to bullshit something on the spot but I'd already lost him and he's like and the game fell apart pretty much that session I think that was the last session we played mm-hmm. and I, I just remember like wow yeah it was just kind of a boring thing and I realized I really needed to add this sense of wonder to games. The, not just you know games that obviously call for it sci-fi and fancy games but um mystery games modern games every game i run i think i try and add a little like holy shit kind of you know like uh I, I try and add at least a little bit of sense of wandering and um you know even new games like the arcadia signal where it's this alien intelligence that knows everything and it's very mysterious and unknowable and i'm trying you know it, it's sense of wonder i think is also kind of the opposite of cosmic dread where you're mm-hmm. like you realize your insignificance but sense of wonder is like oh wow this is great or this is exciting or this is just grabs me by the balls and just like ah! yeah call it cthulhu doesn't have that very much well no it does it's it's all about that except yeah, except it's, most it's, of them it's, it's, it's going to destroy your it mind. makes you afraid you know it's well, like it's, yeah that's what, it's what like, your reaction is to it's it. going to destroy your mind yeah uh, or open you up to new vistas of experience beyond uh, to which and in the process destroy your mind, or you just become evolve into a hyper being that uh, has no need of morality or humanity. When you realize it's all you know, you're you're simply le- emotions are the, the 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 remnants of your primitive reptilian brain. You must evolve into a, a hyper evolved intelligent being. So that's one way of looking. Ross at it. has put a lot of thought into this. Yes, exactly. Uh, I think he secretly hopes that he can do that. To leave this horrible mortal shell behind. <laughs> yes, and become, I'm the geek gate and the key. Ah, I, I, and, I, for target, for target. And he will rise to the level of ultimate immortal GM. Yes, exactly. Because that's what it's all about. It is. It's all <laughs> uh, ultimate power so I can run the ultimate games. Uh, <laughs> where your life, your player's character's life is your life. Um, so that, that's kind of my, that's always bugged me, that, that one game. I've always remembered that. And I always, so I always... I try to provoke it in some sense, and I, I hope I've succeeded in sometimes. And uh, so, uh, Tom, I mean, what, what, what's your experience with this stuff? So, well, uh, not so much. I haven't nothing I've really done for this group, but the other group I used to run with involved Andy, Aaron, Jake, no. who might be joining us. No, oh, for your uh, uh, GURPS game that yeah. you're running that I have not posted yet and will not post for some time. Yes, probably. indeed. <laughs> um, we did we did a lot of we did a lot of scenarios where it was kind of fantastical settings in and of themselves that almost demanded a certain sense of, you know, holy shit. Mm-hmm. That if you really, like, if you really didn't buy into it, then actually it was, most of the group looked at, looked upon you as your fault. 
Like, well, like, what, dude? It's all out there. What? You're not. You're not feeling it. That's that's. Your own so it was on fault. the players. Uh, like it wasn't. Um, so if you're if Chris was acting like that in your game, you would be like the other players would be like it's your fault for not being impressed by this. Well, just we're just experiencing something that they have never seen. A lot of that shit was indeed mm-hmm. just that. It's you know the uh, the game the game that we're that's most famous for in our group was the game where it's thirty thousand years hence in the future. And it's a society of intelligent dinosaurs. You played in the a few sessions of the prototype of that mm-hmm. back when it was using GURPS. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So, um, I mean, it's it was just every session. We you know, first it was this big sweeping vista of a of an alien yet yet familiar looking futuristic city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, uh, you had you know technology way beyond anything you you uh, you've experienced. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much you. Know, you you got it. You you got it pretty much right away. And depending on who was running the game, what what a uh, by technology you've never encountered before. Like, did you have a specific thing that wasn't just like an upgrade of existing technology, technology, but something genuinely new that kind of like, whoa, the players' minds. Yeah, I, actually, there's also there's also a fair bit of mysticism in it too. Okay. Like uh, the one of the like one of the species was was like you know, actually humanity's descendants in this new world. Right. They could actually they could actually control uh, most of the animals that lived on the earth. Right. And uh, it's yeah it's it's one thing it's like one of the scenes we had it was a it was a it was a hovering you know car load full of guys wielding like caseless ammo Goss weapons, mm-hmm. charging you know charging at guys riding full grown T Rexes. Okay. All right. Yeah, I kind of imagine you know the Brock's dream from the episode of Venture Brothers, <laughs> <laughs> season one. Yeah. Uh, from the Dream Machine. Um, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so, you know, the question is, how do you evoke this? I mean, because, again, Chris Farmer's like, shame me, you know, uh, the wailing and gnashing of teeth on my part uh, from failing to provide the sense of wonder. And I, I've thought a lot about this and how to... And he uh, stared at a picture of Chris for hours on end, just yeah, and like it, focusing his rage and personal no, failure. No, it would be a mirror. It would be like my failure. It would be, you know, like Taxi Driver. You look... You know, it was... You looking my, at, yeah, it was like, ah! You looking at me? What have I done? Oh, God! So, um... What, so Ross started flagellating yourself? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, something like that. Um... And that means whipping yourself. I don't know what you guys are thinking. Of. Get your mind out of the gutter, <laughs> listener. Seriously. So, um, you know, you, you, I know you mentioned a few other uh, movies or stories that sort of gave you a sense of wonder. Now, uh, uh, like Avatar, right? I, I Yes, I admit, I have thoroughly drunk the Kool-Aid of the Avatar experience. <laughs> and let me tell you, I find it delicious. Um, I actually... I, I talk- mean, there are people who are who develop depression as a result of, like, you know, like, oh my God, my life is an Avatar. So Yeah, and um, I'll actually say, I watched that movie with Aaron. Yeah. And he came out and said, and I, well, it was, it was okay. I thought like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and the thing is, he couldn't really, ex- he couldn't tell me. Why he like why it was he just thought that I could yeah I mean yes I know but he got you know, it's not, <laughs> do you want me to explain why uh, your your opinion is wrong and your opinion is bad and you should feel bad give me like give me your best shot bitch let's go no that'll get off topic yeah we never do that <laughs> I know we were very focused on RPPR but yeah uh, uh, I mean obviously you're not alone because it's become a worldwide yeah. phenomenon and uh, right uh, people are well the uh, first time I saw the power loader from aliens yeah. There you go. Or the queen. I mean, that's something you've never seen before, and uh, that is something that is like, holy crap, that that's possible, and that you know, yeah. that or in the in the sci-fi realm, and that's like uh, an idea you had never seen before, and it's just like, like, oh wow, the universe is bigger and more complex and more interesting than you ever thought. So that's kind of sense mm-hmm. of wonder that we're talking about. Um, so the question then becomes, how how do you yeah. get that? How do you achieve that in a game, in a role-playing game, when your only tool is your voice, what you can say? Or God, just actually, shit. or is it? Your if only you want to go, like, you want to go way back. Yeah, The Wizard of Oz. Okay. Imagine, can you imagine someone watching that for the first time oh, in Technicolor? Kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, you mean back in the day? I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Imagine Technicolor yeah. that movie. Yeah, because it was so crazy. I mean, munchkins and ruby slippers and talking lions. Flying I mean, monkeys. Like, flying monkeys. Fucking flying monkeys. God damn, flying monkeys. They, they, that's still that would. I mean, like, yeah, like three. Like, if they had flying monkeys in Avatar, I would love that movie. Like, really? Yeah. Like, holy shit, flying monkeys. Like, goddamn, that would be fucking crazy. Three D flying monkeys is what I'm getting across. I, I understand, Russ. That would freak you out too. That would give you like, holy shit. 
Well, I have a great fear of monkeys, but in flying monkeys, they can reach us now. Exactly. So you'd that, never be safe. That'd be like a people-eating frog. Exactly. You wouldn't... We'd be doomed. <laughs> yeah. If there was a bullfrog that could eat people, we'd be extinct. We would be forced to live in Arctic climes. We'd all be Eskimos. So that, <laughs> that, that, that was, would be the only safe people. So anyway, uh, off topic. All right. Um, so what are some... In, in role-playing games, though, what are some of the experiences that you've had that have like well, really evoked this? Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and start praising Ross a little <laughs> bit now. Yes. Uh, Master of Nyarlathotep. Mm-hmm. I uh, think the uh, the birth of the the birth of the dark black that's god. That's in the uh, Kenya chapter for those of you yeah. who have the book. Um, that's a, a mass ceremony where there are thousands of them yeah. there. And especially our reaction: Did we sneak in? Uh. Did we try to remain unseen? Nay, <laughs> we tried to take it out. Yeah, they were they're birthing a new avatar of Nyarlathotep in the cult of the bloody tongue. Uh, the bloody tongue form of Avatar of uh, Nairo Lothotep. And, uh, yeah, you guys decided the discretion was not the better part of Valor. Uh, it was pretty was, much, you know, uh, no witnesses. Yeah, which... Didn't work too when well. When there were more cultists than you had bullets for your Maxim gun. Uh, well, I never even got to fire it. <laughs> the instant I set that motherfucker up, yeah. I went insane. <laughs> Failed one Zanjak too many, so... Uh, uh yeah that was a that was a pretty i think like two pcs made it out out of six yeah it was pretty and, bad uh, or the siege of the mosque in uh cairo uh, yeah th- there you go you had hunting horrors overhead hundreds of cultists attacking them uh jason character eaten by a hunting horror i think i mean man i wish i had saved that campaign or recorded that but we didn't alas. have it we didn't have the zoom h2 then. no zoom so, h2 zoom h2 all right it's like, uh, it's like ron paul <laughs> yes i <laughs> I uh, uh, okay. I'll uh, just accept that for. Uh, you no. shouldn't have done that. You should have actually disputed it, Ross. No, because it was I, crap. Yeah, it, it was. was, it was it, you should have. Well, it's too late now. It, it it's gone. I and I um, I know uh uh, uh one thing that I'm uh, I'm sort of proud of as well as the the attack on the Mind Flayer City. Epic Games and D and D and Third Edition were kind of like you know. They should not be droll. Period. Yeah, they they they. It's like the Justice League. Only you have swords instead of. Fists, um, and you don't you you kill all the bad and guys. And none of you are Batman. Yeah. Well, no, you could be Batman with if you're an epic level rogue, and you had. But yeah, it, it's it's pretty ridiculous. It's closer to Justice League, you know, Superman and Wonder Woman running around doing all kinds of shit than uh, a fan with of, super magic. Than Lord of the Rings, I can tell you that much. Um, so you attacked a Mind Flayer city, uh, and that was. That was a two-session game, two-session battle, and that was just ridiculous. That took that took some work, because we had to keep that battle mat exactly as it was for a week. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, dozens, uh, there were probably 20 or so epic-level fighter com- combatants in that battle all, from both sides. So that was a lot to keep track of. So We won. Yeah, you did. And uh, Patrick was very happy, because uh, his paladin could... It was a point, his paladin could take down a Balrog from, like, full hit points to, like... 5% hit points in one round. So the baller would come in, then like, oh, fuck, then teleport out, get healed, come back, you know, rinse and repeat. Now, that, now that, that's, that's kind of mean. Right. That's mean. What <laughs> did the Balrog? Well, the Balrog's a big boy. He, he could take it, more or less. No, it's mean. You can't keep taunting him, like, almost kill the Balrog. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> now it's back. It's a Balrog's not stupid. It's not going to be like, oh, wow, it got me down to 5% of my hit points. I... I'll, I could. I bet he'll roll ones for all of his next attacks. <laughs> I mean, that's because he'll hit me on a two, but ah, I'm sure he won't hit me once, you know, with his six attacks. Which is, shows the great science of creating characters. Yeah. To maximize every last thing. Um. So yeah, I mean, there. So it is possible to get the sense of wonder in a game to get this like. And obviously, yeah. Obviously, the more epic it is, the easier it is. But you can do it even. I mean, it all depends on the on the on the, on the epic is kind of a relative term because if you're, uh, like in the in the World War Two game that I played in, I was just a you know twenty five point Gerbs character. Uh, there were some epic moments like when the a, tank, uh, the tank. Well, not just the tank, but like. We would uh, uh, actually attacking German soldiers and trying mm-hmm. to rescue a woman in a village. And like it's like holy shit! I'm a doctor and I'm trying this commando raid with some members of the resistance and I'm shooting not and I'm actually mm. killing Germans. And soldiers. one bullet could kill you. Yeah, exactly. It's like holy shit! This is way. I'm so over my head. It's not even funny. And uh, but you know, it, it, so it, it's a relative thing. It, it's sort of about scale. You know, if you're 
uh, a super badass, then yeah, you need like Cthulhu to really show you up. But if you're just like a normal dude, then a a division of German Panzers is probably going to be enough to make you. Well, hell, your pants. a small squad of actual trained soldiers. No, no, no. It has to be something. Waffen, you know, Waffen SS. Yeah, it has to be something like suitably cinematic, I think, or impressive. But um. So, the, so it is possible in any type of game, I think. I, I just, any type of game, you can have something, some sense of wonder in it. And it doesn't always have to be, like, cinematic action-y. It could be just something like uh, finding in a Monster and Other Childish game a tree that grants all animals within a certain part of its, uh, within its region, within its realm, uh, the ability, intelligence and the ability to talk. And just seeing this ancient thing or uh, finding out the true source of all, where all monsters come from or... Uh, you know, it, it, there, there, it depends on the game, but I think there are a lot of different ways to evoke sense of wonder, but it, it is possible. So, so that's the first thing is it is possible to evoke that sense of wonder. And I think games that have that or sessions where you do that are much more memorable. They're the ones you talk about. Yeah. So, um, how do you get that? How do you, uh, how do you do that? So, uh, Tom, I mean, you're, you're talking about Andy's, you know, the group you ran with Andy's game. How, what were some of the things you did or like? Uh, I know you mentioned some like your your props or something. Well, all the, like every single game had a soundtrack. And it was like it's that's the first thing you had to do when you're planning a scenario is all right, what and it's not just you know, just music you like to play as background. It's no no, this music's gotta be this this music goes to this part here, then when they get to this part I'm gonna have to switch over here. And it's it's really important that you actually you know, that we got it up and synced it up. Because we would, you know, we would actually start with kind of, you know, mellow mood music to start with. Then we'd switch over to something ominous. And then the moment, then the moment something, you know, the shit, the shit got real, we'd switch over to uh, some movie, like a movie OST where there's like really good battle music. Mm -hmm. So it's the mood, like the mood that I think that, you know, the way to do that, the way I had to do it is use, yeah, you had to use all five senses. If what do you we, mean? When describing something epic. Okay, so if you use music. Okay, yeah, yeah, I think something epic. I mean, they get that sense of wonder. It's got to appeal, I think, to all five senses. Okay. It's got to be vis like visually impressive. You know, it's it's got to have like a. It should have like a sound, if not the sound of it, but just the sound of what's going on at the time needs to needs to assist it along. Okay. Well, I mean, going. Uh, so I I see what you mean on the on the soundtrack thing, because uh, I mean, I used it too up until we started recording. Uh, games for uh, uh, the podcast and, you know, legal reasons, blah, blah, blah. But what about this, uh, um, the, the, this five senses stuff? I mean, like, what, how, would you, how would you specifically plan that? Do you plan that out or do you just come up with it on the fly, top of your head? Or do you um, like... I try to plan it out. Okay. Uh, well, back, give, me, okay. give me an example. Of like an okay, well, I, I, t I did this in an uh, anecdote once. I told okay. you about, it's like the first major cinematic battle that i had in this game which was okay. run it was like running across this you know like eight mile long bridge right you know spanning you know spanning a length of ocean and it's them and there's like 12 vehicles full of carloads full of villains chasing them right and a gunship chasing them and uh it's the kind of the way that system works is it's not so much roll to see if you succeed on something it's all right it's you describe what you want to do, and the more epic, well, the more cinematic and out there you you describe right, what right. you're doing, the harder it is to do. But the more awesome, the more the more awesome it is if you pull it off. Right. So we like this was just everyone going back to every action scene movie they've ever seen and trying to bring something out of their favorite. So. Okay. Uh, Jake was playing. He was the driver, so he's doing everything he's ever seen. You know, gone in sixty seconds. All right, the right, right. But how did how did you get the five senses thing in there? Like, how would you get taste or uh, that touch? one? Uh, like, touch was like touch was one that didn't come it was quite so much in that scene. Huh. You know, certain scenes actually, uh, certain senses make more sense. Well, yeah. But taste actually, uh, I kept doing because. Yeah, as I was describing this ongoing fight, I was, like the air was getting more and more thick with with like the taste of kind of gunpowder and cordite. Okay. The smell too is the same way. Right. As well as burning rubber, engines on fire. Right. And uh, we also we also like kind of back looped in some, uh, you know, the sounds of, like cars crashing. Mm hmm. So we had some sound effects we played too. Okay. 
Um, that, that that's interesting. Uh, you know, touch I could see actually in a gunfight being very uh, real. The the feeling, the uh, the numbingness of the recoil, of bullets. like or if in a rifle, the, yeah. you know, the recoil yeah. against your shoulder, right? Not just recoil, but also the you know the whole the the cool gun warming up as you're firing, and mm-hmm. or the grenade or whatever else, or you know cutting your finger on some metal edge or something like that. I mean, I I could see that. Uh, so do you? Uh, do you evoke trying to evoke five senses a lot in games, or uh, is it just specific things that you really want to? Uh... I've actually found the more I'm into it, yeah, especially as a GM, the more I do that. Oh, so it's more of like an uh, intuitive thing. You just sort of start doing it with the mm-hmm. more you're into a scene. So yeah, and uh, I've I've noticed if if there's a scene going on that I'm only kind of partially into, yeah, I've noticed that I will I will really kind of just glaze over certain things. But if I'm if it's just if it's getting to me really hard to I will I'll start doing that okay um the thing is I can oftentimes there are scenes I would I would have never seen that I would really get into it okay that I just thought oh, this is against me like you know it's just a little passing thing mm-hmm. but some 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 player does something in it that just so elevates its level of this needs a scene in and of itself okay do you does something come to mind with that well, once again, in the in these other games, there's a lot of those. It was like an encounter. It was going to be an encounter with someone. Yeah. And uh, that it was really just going to be uh, I like one scene I had planned. It was just going to be a like meeting a meeting of a uh, infamous crime boss. Yeah. And there's it was going to be a lot of a lot of prick waving and a lot yeah, of yeah. you know stare downs and but someone but one of the players I forget which one it was but. During it, they just, just this. I mean, the guy is like, I am a ruthless, powerful motherfucker, and you will respect me. This was a player that, yeah, I respect no one. Okay, the average player character, in other yes, words. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Trench coat and katana in hand. Mm-hmm. So he had like his specialty was a gun. He was a gunfighter. Right. So he uh, like this is going on, and it was one one player was doing most of the talking. Right. Aaron was actually doing just a lot of uh, like there's no need like there's no need to this it doesn't have to be this way you mm-hmm. know that right, kind of right, thing right. this player finally just says like okay I roll my quick draw yeah like all right well well, well very good success there like the gun's instantly in your hand like yeah I, I put one right between his eyes <laughs> okay and so he rolls and he does the equivalent of like a white wolf five successes thing right 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 so like guys instantly killed on what was just just to be a tense meeting. Turns yeah. into a bloodbath. Yeah, because it's these. I mean, the players are badasses in of themselves, so they quickly may make quick work of all the guys he had in. But that alerts every other right, guard right. he had in the building. So the it was whole not exactly planned. They did not plan no. to get into a gunfight. So it's no, like, but uh, they. But boy, they did. Yeah, and this was one where they were using like I mentioned one time. They describe what's in like what's in the wet bar. Are there like is there yeah, hard yeah. liquor in it? Yeah, yeah, they were making makeshift weapons. Okay. So what was to be like a 10 to 20 minute meeting turned into an hour and a half long <laughs> fight for survival out of this building. Right. And um, I don't know, you know, you've seen the movie Hard Boil. That, 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 that the first time you see that John Woo Fett, uh, uh, you know, sliding out of the banister, two guns in hand and that infamous tea, mm-hmm. famous tea, tea house fight, you're like, holy shit. You know, like that, that, that's a sense of wonder right there. Like that incredible. Ridiculous, like gun opera, you know, blood opera type uh, violence. Is, uh, uh, yeah, so. they did a lot of uh, right, you know, shooting off an elevator cable and writing the cable right up. Now, so yeah, yeah. That, again, you, you get the same thing. Now, for me, like what I uh, one thing is every game or a lot of games will have their own little quirks that are specific to that game uh setting or whatever you know something that to set it apart from everything else you know for example uh all flesh must be eaten will have has zombie creation rules so you can set up uh different types of zombies so when i ran a zombie game uh with it i made full use of it by creating multiple types of zombies uh ones that were not uh that could only be killed by destroying their spine not their brain then i created rail thin ones that were like that were former meth users that were very fast and uh then there were camouflage ones so i i i it, for me my players are like oh shit this is a, at first they think it's a standard zombie apocalypse mm-hmm. they're like oh, okay they're slow and dumb and hard to kill blah 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 you and know? it turns into left for dead and then it, well even worse than yeah this was before left for dead I, yeah. I i think i ran in 2005 2006 and the player's like oh shit what's going on and uh so that that that, that i try and 
illustrate, you know, highlight the the uniqueness to the setting. Um, <coughs> like I have this idea for Eclipse Phase, which I'm just going to spoil because I, I really want to use it sometime. But I'm, I, I just know it, it doesn't matter if I spoil it because uh, the setup will be uh, the basic idea is in Eclipse Phase is obviously transhuman sci-fi horror and uh uh the the players it, it's advanced enough where players can easily switch their minds around everyone can switch their minds around in different bodies bodies are called sleeves because mm-hmm. you can just easily stick your you know mind in a new sleeve okay yeah simple enough so why not really emphasize this weirdness this this is that's a really different thing that's really weird and kind of creepy if you think about it um where the players walk into this huge room and there are what appears to be hundreds or dozens or hundreds of mannequins just standing around in different poses different clothing and they're like hmm because they're looking for some bad guy and then they realize that there's a bad the bad guy's there he's just posing as one of the mannequins and he's jumping from mannequin to mannequin uh wanting to pick off the players one by one and so the players are like, uh, if we just started, we don't have enough ammo to kill all the mannequins, destroy all of them. And if we do that, you know, we're making a lot of noise to alert him where we are. Or we'll be prey easily to all the different mannequins. So that's sort of like it becomes a game of hide cat and mouse in this room with a body switching, you know, foe uh, able to jump into any of these hundreds of different bodies, each with different weapons, different abilities, although they all look the same, you know, some of them concealed arms or concealed guns, concealed knives. Mm-hmm. So you get the idea. Yeah. So that, that that's something to be like, oh, shit. Um, I think the main thing is you, you're trying to pull the rug out from under them. You're trying to drop the floor and show that they're in way over their head uh, to really uh, illustrate that. So, I mean, like if you were to name a game system, I could come up with um, a different abilities or different encounters to illustrate that setting's uniqueness. And I think that's sort of the, the key to one of the keys to getting a really good sense of wonder in the game is to show show it show it off. I mean show mm-hmm. off the, I mean every system is different. Every game, every setting is different. And the good ones all have uh something about it. I mean, you know, in paranoia you want to show off players getting killed and instantly replaced by clones of themselves. <laughs> so uh for being a commie mutant traitor. You, you, and you didn't report the commie mutant trader, so you're a commie mutant trader, exactly. friend computer. So uh, uh, We are uh, happy. Exactly. Happiness is mandatory. And uh, only commie mutant traders aren't happy. So, uh, Are you a commie mutant trader? Exactly. No, friend computer, but I think he is. So uh, uh, that's the kind of idea. So if you, the, that that's my, my uh, theory or idea for set, getting a sense of wonder is trying to evoke something like and uh you mentioned the D thing like the uh, uh the aztec um mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the players when like an aztec god lifted our ship and carried it over the isthmus of panama yeah into the pacific yeah that's that's uh, that's just a little bit of hand waving in D or any fantasy game but the player you guys were like holy shit this is great and and, to, and then finally, and the capstone placed on it was when he found out we saw one of our men still had their gun, which we were supposed to turn all of them over. Yeah, because uh, I was being a little bit of a dick, but uh, yeah, that that was great, and uh, the players all loved that. I think that that was the part that really got people lured into it, and uh, then it all went to hell. But um, so I think I think that that kind of gives you the basic idea of what you should do to try and get a sense of wonder every once in a while. I mean, you don't have to hit it all the time because if you hit it all the time, you're not hitting it any of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every once in a while, you should try to show off and really, you know, go out of bounds. I mean, there's no there's no limits. There's no budget in RPG. So set, you know, crazy action scenes on the space shuttle as it's going into orbit or, um, you know, a knife fight in the space shuttle as it's taking off or... Fight for your life. Exactly. Um, or, uh, you know, uh, on top of the Eiffel Tower at night, you know, having a, uh, a sword fight. Or Chernobyl before it blows. Chernobyl before it blows, as you're a time traveler from the 31st mm-hmm. century. Um, and uh, so on. Or and the so Titanic. On. Or the Titanic, exactly. Or at the bottom of the Titanic right now, as you're both ghosts fighting for the soul of your loved one or something like that. So, yeah. Or the Bismarck as it finally goes down. Exactly. Or it comes back up. Oh, ah! motherfucker! It's full of Nazi zombies and stuff. That they, they would do that. Zombies are fun, but Nazi zombies. Oh, man. Yeah. You can't go wrong with that. No, you can't. Oh, man. Unless, so, you're, unless you're a mutant commie. Goddamn mutant commies. Um, so I think that kind of sum. Any uh, any last words about Sense of Wonder or uh, 
or anything. There Take a chance. Take a chance. There you go. Take a chance. Uh, it's better to fail big than to fail small. And stop being boring. God damn it. Stop being boring. Yeah. yeah I, was like, I, I, I caught the gist. Stop being boring, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom. Here's... So insecure. We're all insecure. Anyways, uh, so next up, of course, uh, Tom, of course, has been. What have What have you been doing, Tom, in being productive and helping the podcast, Tom? Let Let the Let the listeners know, Tom. All right. Yeah, I got nothing. No, yeah, you were doing something, Tom, because you don't have a letter. So what were you doing that's so important that that you well, were too I busy? Well, I finally, I just finally got finished getting all the achievements. From Mass Effect 2. Oh, well, that very... Um, and now I picked up the Aliens vs. Predator game. Oh, well, so our listeners are the second episode in a row where you don't have letter for them, so... Yeah, Ross, that's pretty much the gist of it. That's the gist of it. <laughs> so, and uh, if I have somehow destabilized the entire integrity of the podcast, then I apologize. I am sure you can salvage it somehow, as I'm just a millstone around your neck. Well, um, you can make up. You well, let it, let let the listeners. Uh, uh, why don't you post some comments on our forums or on the on the the show notes for this episode to let Tom know how he's failed you uh, or something like that. So uh, yes, think long and hard before you do that. <laughs> yes, because I cry easy. Oh, anyway, you do not. You do not but don't worry, I'll have something that. for you instead. I will uh, uh, read off a uh, creepypasta from one of our shoutouts. Uh, yeah, it's Ross. not actually something that Ross wrote. No, no, I didn't say I did. I just thought it's creepy and you should read it. It's called Candle Cove, and it's a creepypasta written by Chris Straub, who wrote a book called Iker Falls, which will be one of our shoutouts. So I'll read another excerpt from a book I'm recommending people should read. So, yeah. Failure happens. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. Anyway. And then we'll have forums. Uh, a couple of forum shout-outs, anecdotes, and all that other fun stuff. So we'll Super duper. is uh, Candle Cove by Chris Straub. Net Nostalgia Forum, television, local. Sky Shale 33. Subject, Candle Cove, local kids show. Does anyone remember this kids show? It was called Candle Cove, and I must have been six or seven. I never found reference to it anywhere, so I think it was on a local stage around 1971 or two. I lived in Ironton at the time. I don't remember which station, but I do remember it was on at a weird time, like 4 p.m. Mike Painter, 65. It seems really familiar to me. I grew up outside of Ashland, and I was nine years old in 72. Candle Cove. Was it about pirates? I remember a pirate marionette at the mouth of a cave talking to a little girl. Sky, Sky Shale, 33. Yes! Okay, I'm not crazy. I remember Pirate Percy. Percy. It was always kind of, I was always kind of scared of him. He looked like he was built from parts of uh, other dolls. Really low budget. His head was an old porcelain uh, baby doll. It looked like an antique that didn't belong on the body. I don't remember what station that was on. I don't think it was WT, WTSF, though. Uh, Jaron 2005. Sorry to resurrect this old thread, but I know which show you mean, Sky Shale. I think Candle Cove ran for only a couple of months in 72, 71, not 72. I was 12, and I watched it a few times with my brother. It was on Channel 58, whatever that station was. My mom would let me switch over to it after the news. Let me see what I can remember. It took place in Candle Cove, and it was about a little girl who imagined herself to be friends with pirates. The pirate ship was called the Laughing Stock, and Pirate Percy wasn't a very good pirate because he got scared too easily. And there was a Calliope music constantly playing. I don't remember the girl's name. Janice or Jade or something. I think it was Janice. Sky Shield. Thank you, Jaren. Memories flooded back when you mentioned the Laughing Stock in Channel 58. I remember the bow, uh, bow of the ship was a wooden smiling face with the lower jaw submerged. It looked like it was swallowing the sea and it had that awful Ed Wine voice and laugh. I remember how jarring it was when they switched from the wooden plastic model to the foam puppet version of the head that talked. Mike Painter 65. Ha <laughs> ha. I remember it now too. Do you remember the part this part Sky Show? You have to go inside. Ugh, Mike, I got a chill reading that. 
Yeah, I remember. That's that's where the ship always told Percy when there is a spooky place he had to go in, like a cave or a dark room where the tre- uh, treasure was, and the camera would push in on Laughingstock's face with each pause. You have to go inside. With his two eyes askew and that flopping foam jaw and that fishing line that opened and closed it. Ugh, it looks so cheap and awful. You guys remember the villain? He had a face that was a handlebar mustache above really tall, narrow teeth. Kevin Hart. I honestly thought the villain was Pirate Percy. I was about five when this show was on Nightmare Fuel. Uh, Jaren, that wasn't the villain. The, the puppet with the mustache, that was the, the sidekick. Horace Horrible. He had a monocle, too, uh, but it was on top of the mustache. Uh, I used to think he, it meant he only had one eye. But yeah, the villain was another marionette, the skin taker. I can't believe they let us watch that back then. Kevin Hart, Jesus H. Christ, the skin taker. What kind of a kid show were we watching? Seriously, I could seriously not look at that screen when the skin taker showed up. He just descended out of nowhere on his strings, just a drip, dirty skeleton wearing that brown top hat and cape, and his glass eyes that were too big for his skull. Christ, Christ almighty, Sky Shale. Wasn't his uh, top hat and cloak all sewn up crazily? Was that supposed to be children's skin? Yeah, Mike Painter. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I remember his mouth didn't open and close. His jaws just slid back and forth. I remember the little little girl said, Why does your mouth move like that? And Skin Taker didn't look at the girl, but at the camera and said, To grind your skin. Sky Shale. I'm so relieved that other people remember this terrible show. I used to have this awful memory, a bad dream I had, where the opening jingle ended, the show faded in from black, and all the characters were there, but the camera was just cutting to each of their faces, and they were just screaming, and puppets and marionette were just flailing spastically, and they were all just screaming, screaming. The girl was just moaning and crying like she'd been through hours of this. I woke up many times from that nightmare. I used to wet the bed when I had it. Kevin Hart. I don't think that was a dream. I remember that. I remember that was an episode. Sky Shield. No, it's not possible. There's no plot or anything. I mean, literally just standing in place crying and screaming for the whole show. Kevin, uh, maybe I'm just manufacturing the memory because you just said that, but I swear to God, I remember seeing what you described. They just screamed. Uh, Jaren, oh God, yes. The little girl Janice, I remember seeing her shake and the skin taker screaming through his gnashing teeth, his jaw careening so wildly I thought it would come off the wire hinges. I turned it off and it was the last time I watched. I ran to tell my brother and we didn't have the courage to turn it back on. Mike uh, Painter 65. I visited my mom today at the nursing home. I asked her about when I was little in the early 70s, when I was 8 or 9, and if she remembered a kid's show, Candle Cove. She said she was surprised I could remember that, and I asked why, and she said, because I used to think it was so strange that you said, I'm going to watch Candle Cove now, Mom, and then you would just tune the TV to static and just watch Dead Air for 30 minutes. You had a big imagination with your little pirate show. How'd you like that, Tom? Uh, Candle Cove? All right. Yeah. Pretty sure it's the same thing when I watch Bozo the Clown. Really? Yeah. He reminds you of the skin taker and the screaming. I'm pretty sure that show was the nightmares real. and the uh, it's not a real show when you were just watching Static. Don't know. Really? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so um, first off, before we do the normal shoutouts, we're going to do the... Uh, uh, forum shout We're going to mention a couple of forum threads that we think you should look at. Uh, of course, I'm going to mention the Codex of War Ransom thread, where uh, people are talking, uh, those who have already listened to the episodes, the actual play preview episodes, are talking about them, talking about how great they are. So uh, if you want to get in on that and you're a big actual play fan, uh, 10 episodes over 30 hours of content uh, that you can get months before anyone else, because it will be, you know. I only, it's that awesome. It's that awesome. So uh, check it out. Um, let's see, Tom, you mentioned... Yes, uh, I mentioned one, the, uh, one, the, uh, thread about, uh, Long Pig. Yes, the Long Pig anecdote. 
Uh, that's the, it's especially because I was in that game. Yes, yes. I Patrick writes it up, and um, it was quite entertaining. That because uh, only he knew what it was, <laughs> which is why he was laughing his ass off. Uh, so yeah, that good times, good times. Um, uh, if you want to know what it is, read the, read the forum. Exactly, read the thread. Um, I'm going to mention the um, Arcadia Signal thread. If you uh, that was my first World of Darkness game that I ran, and that is a uh, some people have already like I'm going to run this, and then I give them advice on what I would have them the Arcadia Signal do. So if you if you like the Arcadia Signal actual play, or you're just curious about the World of Darkness, uh, just uh, uh, take give that thread a little view there. Do it, just do it, just do it, a little one, yeah, a little one, Tom. And my other one is about is the thread involving remaking the like rifts, rifts. In, into a workable system. Yes, yes. Which um, I think is a worthy goal. Yeah. It. I am actually I am humbled, truly humbled when I see good brave people try do this wonderful thing. Yes, and risk all that that legal nonsense. So, yes. So you. Uh, they're fighting you the are good doing, fight. You are doing God's work. God's work, yes. Okay. Uh, to take a really awesome setting and make it into something that doesn't taste like it's doesn't taste like shit. Okay. Very good. Very fair. Um, so let's get on to the other shout-outs, our normal shout-outs. Um, I, of course, am going to mention one. The first one will be Icker Falls, the, the book I read the uh, Candle Co. from. Um, it is uh, written by Chris Straub, who does a bunch of web comics, like a Chainsaw Suit. And uh, Star Slip Crisis or something. So, uh, but he he did this. It's a it's a short book. You can get it on Amazon. It's it's quite creepy. I'm reading through it. It's a quick read, um, but it is uh, you know creepy. And yeah. I, I, I I like it. it it's kind of neat. So uh, Tom, you you had one. Yes, I have a DVD I recently purchased. Special to me. It's Henry Rollins live and ripped in London. Okay. Which was actually it was a clip from that show. Was the first I'd ever watched of Henry Rollins. Okay. And I could and could never figure out what clip it was from. Now I finally know, and I just recently uh, purchased it. So your life is now complete. Well, it's it's good to know where you know, where the origins of something you liked came from. It's like, did, was that did that give you a sense of wonder, Tom? To it some... was a sense of wonder, Ross. <laughs> Especially the last bit when he talks about the uh, first time he ever uh, a, ever kissed a girl. Oh yeah, that is some he, pretty epic out there he, shit. He moshed or something. No, he was the submissive one. Ooh, yeah. wow. Nice. Um, next, uh, uh, I'm going to mention another thing. Uh, uh, the Horror Recognition Guide. It's a uh, put up by White Wolf. It's part of the Hunter the Vigil line. And it's um, it's it's an interesting book because all it, it, it kind of goes with the Hunter the Reckoning kind of style the, of the old edition where they were uh, – it's, it's the collection of notes from a, a Hunter cell that disappeared. Um, and so they have all these conflicting reports of all these different monsters that they're trying to kill and stop. And, um, you can just flip to any random page and find something neat. Like, oh, wow, this is cool. This is cool. It's fuel. It's idea fodder for any Hunter the Vigil game. So, uh, or any World of Darkness game. So, um, it, it's just, just chock full of goodness it, of horror goodness. It's just, it's just swell. It's what it's just great. Yeah. Um, and then if you want some more sense of wonder, uh, uh, Shattered Horizon, which is a video game, computer video game, uh, where you are an astronaut in space fighting other astronauts in space. You have a little jet pack, you know, a little rocket pack. Little man- maneuvering jets. Yeah, maneuvering jets. And you have a machine gun, but you're fighting each other, you know, in orbit around Earth or the moon. And it's it's a fun game. You only have one gun, but the gun has multiple modes, like assault rifle, sniper rifle, and there's a grenade launcher on it. So, you, but you're in zero G, so you have 3D movement, and um, it's it's just like I'm playing the video game, and I like realize like wow, fighting in space is just insanely dangerous. Like the life expectancy of these guys is like 20 minutes. It must be like if this was a real battle, would be like 20 minutes. I mean, because like, even a grazing wound. Well, they had it's a high tech spacesuit, so they're self repairing spacesuits. Oh well, still, but they're still pretty fragile, and a, and a headshot kills you regardless because it just fra- you know it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to hit your head or you know go through your your actual skull. It just you know makes a hole in your visor, which is bad. Yeah, like uh, that ex- explosive decompression. Yeah. Um, so, but it's a really, really beautiful game. I mean, it's like ridiculously pretty, like fighting on the space international space station, you know, zooming around the solar panels while there are all these asteroids around. And it's like, holy crap, this is pretty. Oh, I'm dead. 
holy crap, this is pretty. Oh, I shot a guy. Oh, no, I'm dead again. <laughs> um, it's it's fun. And it, it, I got it when there was a sale. I mean, it's 20 bucks now. It was 10 bucks when I got it because there's a sale on. But, you know, if, you, if you're really a big fan of the, the death matching and the multiplayer stuff, um, I'd give Shattered Horizons a try because it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just great. It's just pretty. It's so pretty. Uh, and finally, I'm going to mention uh, Super God, which is a new Warren Ellis comic from Avatar Press. So it's all crazy. It's Warren Ellis and Avatar. Ooh, it's crazy. I don't know. Are, have you read many Warren Ellis comics? And, no. Okay. Well, they're all fucking crazy. You know, they're like oh, ridiculously over the top. But Super God is about um, an an, uh, an arms race. The arms race, if they were building superhumans instead of nuclear weapons. Okay. And so Britain has one, America has one, Soviet Union has one, but uh, the Indian one really fucks things up. And only two issues are out so far. The third issue has been delayed, and it's just, it, the art is great. And it's just like every, if you're running a superhero game, you should read this comic because there's so many fucking great ideas in it. It's just like, oh, it's just like, it's just, you, you know, show me it's some idea it. porn. Yeah, you, you know, I've, you show me some of it. Yeah, yeah. So it's great. And uh, I cannot recommend it enough. And it really gives me that sense of wonder stuff. Because Warren Ellis is really good about the sense of wonder stuff. Like Planetary, like, oh my god. that that I mean, yeah, he, not everything he does is great. But like when he does do the idea stuff, it's like great. So That's great. It's great. It's all great. Oh, That's that's what sense of wonder sounds like. I see. Um, or it's or like Fortuna. An, so it's like an Enya album. Well, no, it's that or, or uh, Requiem for a Dream Music or, or Fortuna by Carl Orff. Mm. You know, the... Uh, the You've heard it a hundred times before. Do you know the music I'm talking about? I think so. Okay. Um, so finally, of course, we have our little anecdote. And uh, Thomas here will be reading it because I read Candle Cove. So, yes, uh, yes. You have, you, you have fun reading that. Yeah. I will. All right. This is from MCK. And it, it begins as thus. Hello there. I'll begin with the traditional and obligatory mention of how much I enjoy your work and mention the fact that RPBR has been one of the largest influences in my somewhat short experience with RPGs. Aw, thanks. Most notably by bringing wonderful systems such as Call of Cthulhu and Monsters and other childish things to my attention and influencing me to add them to my gaming repertoire. Anyway, with that out of the way, I have, I have my anecdote, a two-session Call of Cthulhu one-shot using the a published Escape from Innsmouth, which turned out to be a beautiful train wreck fueled by that ever-so-entertaining substance, Gamer Logic. I would imagine this would go without saying, but this does, does contain spoilers, requires minimal knowledge of the story behind the Lovecraftian Innsmouth. That was in italics. While at home over the past winter break, I got together with my high school gaming group, and we decided to run a game or two. Being recently fascinated by Call of Cthulhu, Dark Corners of the Earth, excellent game, the Shadow over Innsmouth, and generally everything Innsmouth-related, I volunteer to run Escape from Innsmouth. The entire story is quite lengthy, and I regret not recording the entire debacle. However, I will highlight the best portions of the two sessions. In the first session, the characters introduced themselves and found out a mur murder that found out about a murder that happened in Arkham. The three investigators, Boba Dog Fett, the bounty hunter, a PI, and a Turkish spy, began asking around town, as I, and as I should have expected, began accusing everyone of killing the child. Long story short, they discovered that the boy had gotten in a fight the day before he died with another child, Jubal. Innsmouth had also come up, so while Boba went to talk to Jubal, the other two went to learn about Innsmouth. Boba arrives at the house of the eight-year-old Jubal after what essentially amounted to verbally abusing Jubal and, and Aunt. She, de she decides she had had enough and asked, him, and asked him to leave. How much does this kid weigh? About, uh, about Boba, I was away, about, Boba's player asked me, and I tell him about 80 to 90 pounds, as his Boba would, as his Boba would figure. Okay, I grab him. Everyone was a bit stunned, but he was serious, so I called for an opposed strength roll, which he lost to the aunt. Naturally, she pulled Jubal aside, slammed the door, locked it, and called the police. I reminded Boba that this wasn't D&D, &D and he could quite possibly get arrested. His response, up the ante by shooting a window and breaking in. He trashes the house, looking for the kid, and in the process, knocks out the aunt. Eventually, he finds Jubal and knocks him out as well. He then hears the, the police sirens. Grabbing the unconscious Jubal, he bolts out the back door into the nearby swamp, where he hogties Jubal and hides him in a bush where he will return for him later that night. Keep in mind, this is an eight-year-old kid. Long story short, the kid is rescued by his Deep One brother, which none of the investigators ever really found out about or cared about, and Boba decides to go on the run, and, and to him and, and him and Innsmouth seems like a good place to hide. 
The rest of the session went just as smoothly, with Boba chasing what after what was essentially supposed to amount to an ambient noise and ultimately resulted in he and the P.I. being offered a night in the Gilman house. Naturally, they were attacked that night and escaped by blowing a chunk out of the building with sticks of dynamite they were carrying. Ultimately, they failed their escape from the town and were imprisoned to be rescued in the next session. The next session went just as well with the two players playing Django Fett and his Chinese criminal manservant driver. <laughs> I don't even I don't think I ever got a name. The Turkish spy, returning, whose actions weren't highlighted to save time, and a mercenary which the players met in Innsmouth. To summarize, the investigators eventually reached the point where they are supposed to be rescuing an NPC, Brian, and the previous two players. The plan is for Django to strap the dynamite across his chest, and the other investigators will be out back and pull the grate off the cell, and will pull Brian out. They decided they didn't have time to rescue the other investigators. Django fails miserably in his suicide bomber theft, but they manage to get Brian out, and Django runs. The investigators, excluding Django and Brian, are sitting in, a, in the car at the end of an alley, which Django is running towards, although they, are, they aren't aware. The manservant sees one of the Innsmouth residents around the corner in front of them and runs him down, leaving Django to, deci to decide and fight the other resident that was chasing him. He failed miserably and was killed, annoying his player who vowed to kill the manservant. The two Innsmouth residents were killed and they returned to the jail to bust out the other two players, namely to give Boba back to his player who had no one else to play as. Here's where everything really went down. Boba goes to retrieve the weapons from his father's corpse, and the manservant drives the car up with his other investigator in the car, and Boba goes to talk to him. That's in quotation marks. Boba then shoots the manservant, who doesn't die, but panics and drives out of town, stranding the rest of the investigators, two of which, Boba and the mercenary, shoot at the car as it is leaving. Brian, sick of this, he has just wanted to rescue his girlfriend, runs off and no one bothers to chase him down or follow. The players of the manservant and Boba begin arguing, as their real-life friendship has them do, about whose actions were and were not justified, and what in what situations, and the Turkish spy gets fed up with the complete breakdown in the, in the street, decides to drop a grenade at the feet of Boba and the mercenary before looking before booking it out of town on foot himself. The grenade goes off, killing Boba and the mercenary, who argued they didn't know it had it had happened. I figured, of course, they didn't because they were shooting at the car. In the end, it all boiled down to the NPC they were supposed to be rescuing getting killed, three investigator deaths, and one grave injury, and only one of those was actually caused by an enemy. So that's one of my anecdotes from gaming, the more complete and drawn-out version of which can be found on the RPPR forums. How's that for a formal plug, eh? All in all, though, I do have to give a personal thanks to, to, to thank you to Ross, Tom, and the rest of the RPPR crew for relighting that fire, giving me that kick that got me really excited about role-playing again. Without you guys, I probably would have stopped playing sometime last year. Thank you, Matthew. Mikma on the forums. P.S. I'm pretty pumped up for the community actual play site, so I'm hoping that this gets up and really going soon. If you need any help with it, I would be more than willing to lend a hand with whatever I can. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that. Um, yeah, I'm setting up a community uh, actual play podcast, so if you have your own... Uh, uh, I'll, po I'll post a link to the thread on the... Uh, uh, Show notes. So, if you're interested in like recording your own games, having them judged and listened to by other people, uh, we'll we'll give you a way to do that. Uh, I'm I'm still learning WordPress multi-user mu mu. Uh, so, if you uh, you, if you're an expert on that, give me give me give me some help. So, uh, yeah, yeah. he needs it. Yeah, I need. And uh, don't 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 model a character after Dog the Bounty Hunter and call it Cthulhu. <laughs> you're not that big a badass. Yeah, especially uh, even Cody. I. God damn it, Cody. Because uh, <laughs> he wanted to name an NPC in the game after Dog the Bounty Hunter. So, uh, you could have just killed him. Yeah, well, I didn't. Anyway, so uh, that's it for this episode 42, Sense of Wonder. I, I, I hope you have a sense of wonder. Appreciate the wonderness of uh, awesome gaming or something. R Ross, that... It's awful. It, that was awful. I know. It was awful, but that's okay. Because I am the game master, and I'm always right. So uh, we'll go with that, I guess. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time. See ya.